and welcome back to the What Is Life Dude podcast. We are Eric and Sarah. Welcome back. So today we're going to be talking about music, as we so often do, um, but we're going to give a little... Life update. Brief life update. All right. Do you want to right. give the update? Oh. It, it sounds like, I haven't, it sounds like I there's haven't news. thought about it. There's not news. Yeah. Uh, so first things first, we shot a video a few days ago for our cover of Nirvana's Heart Shaped Box, and we're going to put that up on Saturday. Yeah. So, on the Cute Threat YouTube channel. But if you follow either of us on, on like Instagram, we'll probably link, link it there in a story or mm-hmm. something so you can find it. So that's exciting. Um, videos sometimes feel like daunting for us to make, and we kind of just did it. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt good, and it was fun. Yeah. I'm proud of us. We wrapped it up in a single day. Yeah. And in the past, just for reference, we have music videos for Taylor Swift's Lover, our cover of that, and our cover of uh, I'll Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie. And both of those we shot on one day, and then it took me months to edit them. Yeah. Just because that's how my brain works. Well, let's talk about why Heart Shaped Box was so easy. <laughs> Well, I ha- I I suspect that it was easy for a particular reason, and uh, we'll we'll see if this is true as time passes. But we, I have this just in the past couple days started to microdose shrooms, and I truly think that it is affecting my brain in a positive way. So, if you don't know what microdosing is, when people think of shrooms or LSD, none of which I've i've personally done before me neither besides the microdose but it's not like it's like a normal dose of shrooms is when you like trip and yeah all that what you know as shrooms is what happens yeah. right a microdose is when you take like a tenth of the normal dose for a regular trip yeah and you don't get any of the tripping effects or the hallucinations or anything crazy right you just um it's just it's supposed to like bolster your creativity it's supposed to kind of improve your mood it just help you think differently and there have been a lot of studies coming out about microdosing well microdosing and regular dosing shrooms mm-hmm. um and the effect on depression yeah so this in this piqued sarah's interest of course right yeah so if anyone is listening who's new i have dealt with depression for pretty much my entire life that i can remember no exaggeration And tried many things, just recently came off of an antidepressant that I determined was not working for me after about six months. I I feel like I gave it a fair shot. And I was like, you know what, what what is there to lose? It's a mushroom. And yeah, I feel I've I've only done four days and I'm now not doing it today because you're supposed to cycle on and off so you don't develop a tolerance. But a couple days time, I'll do another microdose. And we'll see if the benefits hold up. I really, it's a very, it's very subtle. It's just like feeling normal, really. It's just which feeling is an odd not, feeling not when depressed. You're, yeah. So like the music video is just one example of something that has, would have been like pretty impossible for me or would have been very slow moving. Like Eric would have had to like really, really prod me to get it done. And if only also, I could be so lucky. <laughs> yeah. And also I've just, it's been easier to get, to be clean, you know, to clean up the room and stuff and not feel overwhelmed by the prospect of packing up to move and well i I feel like i don't know if this is if this is a um a side effect of like Mm -hmm. most people's depression 
baby. <laughs> she just took a sip of her drink. And My energy drink. Spilled a lot of it on herself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean... A lot of the sip, not a lot of the drink. Yeah, a lot of the sip. Most of the sip. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I know for you, a big side effect of your depression is just like... I can't do anything. Tiny little things that are easy for everyone else are extremely difficult. Like putting the spices away after <laughs> after using them while you're cooking something. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed those things you're just like doing mm-hmm. and you don't care. You're just like, yep, let's, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. Well, you it's know, amazing. there's always anytime I start like an, or I try out a new kind of therapeutic modality or whatever, I'm always a little, well, I come into it with a fair bit of skepticism just because of how long I've been dealing with depression and how many things I've tried that have not really worked or stood the test of time. So, you know, there's a potential that it's kind of placebo right now. But, you know, I'll keep at it. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully it <laughs> keeps going. Yeah. Well, and that brings us to right now. Um, and before we started the podcast, I I took my first microdose. And listen, people. I'm terrified of drugs. Eric's an anxious, <laughs> anxious man. I'm terrified of drugs. <laughs> And this just basically all stems from, like, one night in college where I smoked too much pot and had, a pa- had my first panic attack of my life. Right. And now I'm just like, nope, I don't do drugs. Drugs are very scary. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if I get, like, too drunk, yeah. I start feeling anxious, which is the opposite effect it's supposed to have. But my, <laughs> yeah. my anxious brain mm-hmm. just takes over everything. Right. It takes over well, everything. It's been about 30, 35 minutes now. You feel fine, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, the first day I microdosed, I didn't really, I couldn't tell if things were different. I just felt kind of like, oh, I feel a little bit more happy than you normal, but it obviously could just be placebo. Well, it's interesting because so. you're trying to get from depressed to, <laughs> to nor- normal to baseline. Yeah. And so I don't know what I'm expecting to happen. You're just, uh, you know, seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah. But just going with the flow. Yeah. The, I mean, the other day I took like a slightly larger than normal microdose and i fell asleep for a little while but i was working i was working on music on my computer and sarah was on the floor with the pillow <laughs> and her soft fuzzy blankie just asleep <laughs> yeah so i th- i feel like that's the worst that could happen that i passed just out a tiny bit too much mid podcast right anyway <laughs> yeah anyway so that's what uh we'll update you on f- in, in future installments i'm sure mm-hmm um, I'm also growing some potentially, so mm. so because it's expensive to buy. But I'll update you. I'll update you on that as well. It feels like not wrong to grow shrooms. A mushroom. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not like we're manufacturing meth, like in yeah. Breaking Bad. Yeah. It's just like we're. It's also for me for personal use. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like, it's like mushrooms are... Mushrooms. <laughs> uh, they're illegal. I mean, they're they're decriminalized where we are, but yeah. I mean, it's just like, but you can get like 50 billion different types of antidepressants and yeah. anti-anxiety and people OD on like Xanax and shit. Mm. And like mushrooms are not, I don't know. It just seems so, it's just, yeah. it's a fungus. It's odd. It should be okay. Yeah. Well, anyway. So, want to get into today's topic? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Sometimes my mouth to think doesn't about... move in the right way. That's the human condition. <laughs> <laughs> so, would you want to get into today's episode? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, 
we did an episode about this in the first installment of the podcast. Which we deleted. Which we deleted. Know, it's from years ago. From but we want... 2018. I wanted to revisit this topic and have a discussion as the people we are now about it. But I want to explore our musical beginnings. Mm. Like why we love music and what kind of started it all for us. Right. And I kind of want to just see where the conversation goes. Okay. I haven't done any, I haven't planned this at all. No, me neither. We thought of this like an hour ago. But that's <laughs> yeah. fine. Because we know because the information's in our brains, right? Somewhere in there. Deep down. So who was like, what's like the first artist you remember? Me? Like loving. Yeah. Oh, it's hard to know. Billy Joel? Because probably Billy Joel is the first person I would have considered myself a fan of mm. as a kid because my dad loved him and had a lot of his cassettes. Um, But I, I know, I mean, I, I was born in Hawaii and my mom and dad listened to a lot of Hawaiian music. So I feel like that's like the first music I was like, I remember listening to that as a very small kid. Listening like Hawaiian to recordings? Music, yeah. Like Israel. What, Kamaka Viva Ole? You know? I, you're the only person I have met who knows how to say his last name. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't know that about you, yeah, first of all. Uh, my dad, I remember listening to the Cranberries cassette a lot. The one with the zombie on it. Oh, yeah. That's. I feel like that's the first song I ever indicated a preference towards. Like, I, the first song I was ever like, hey, can you play that again? Mm. Which is funny because it's a zombie, which is a, you know, if you've heard the song, it's a very aggressive song. <laughs> really just laying the foundation for my future angst <laughs> um the first song i ever showed a preference toward was um the distance <laughs> the song by cake from the 90s and i was a toddler and my parents would put the song on and i'd run around and i'd dance around the living room while the song was playing and then it would end and i would say daga daga <laughs> Which was how I was trying to say the distance, the distance. I was saying Daga, Daga. And my parents knew that Daga meant put that song on. So they'd go, okay, and they'd put it on and I'd dance around again and we would do this literal song and dance <laughs> just over and over again. And they were like, Okay, Eric, we're done. We're, we're not listening we're not listening to Daga anymore. Capiche? And then this is how my parents tell the story. But I'll look at I would look at them in the eyes with my little my little toddler body and i would say daga put the song on again which is funny cuz like you know i see my my toddler cousins out here in colorado and they want them to play baby shark over and over and over again and i'm like i wanted to listen to cake you're like i was much more sophisticated i don't know what's up with kids these days but <laughs> the intelligence quotient is just you know tanking we didn't have <laughs> we didn't have children's music no we just had regular music i yeah. think i listened to raffi and shit but i loved that song by cake that's the first thing yeah all right all right first album owned first album owned first album you specifically bought or someone bought for you i think that would be Enema of the State by Blink-182. When did that come out? That came out in 1999. Oh my God. So you were in like first grade? I was five. <laughs> How and, is that possible? And I was listening to an album called Enema of the State where I, like the leaflet on the inside yeah. of the album 
you unfold it and it's just like it's a line of men standing in their underwear (laughs) and like every 10 men it's another picture of the three guys from the band in like different underwear look doing something else stupid and i'm like i had this album mom dad what's wrong with you guys why would you let this happen yeah exceptionally Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't listen to any of that kind of music growing up, so I'm really not familiar with it. Well, I like I like talking about our upbringings in that way because yeah. somehow we ended up being in love and living together and sharing a life, and we came from like... Vastly different vastly levels different. of strictness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I'd ask Sarah like, oh, do you know this very popular song from 1998? She's like, we weren't allowed to listen to that. Yeah, I'm like, but it was just on the radio. I mean, She's I wasn't like, really allowed to listen to like Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC. Not because my, not because they were like explicit or anything, but I think it's because my dad was just annoyed by their music. So he <laughs> he was he he always used to say like that they were posers. He'd be like poser alert, poser alert, e e. <laughs> when their music came on, which is funny because now like twenty years later or whatever, it's like their music is. You know, mm-hmm. every generation of music, p- people look back and they're like, oh, music was different in my day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like very often when you talk about your dad, <laughs> I just can't help but think we... I mean, Sarah always says like... Well, okay, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. But her dad and I have very different um, views on things, political, otherwise. So... But when it comes to things like that, like poser alert, like that's the funniest <laughs> shit to me. And I just can't help but think we would have gotten along like so well, sure. even though we're so different. So uh, what was your first album? Um, so uh, the first one I think I got for Christmas, I got, um, I think I got three actually. I think I got Best of Cheryl Crow. Nice. Which I did not ask for. <laughs> And it's also funny because my dad did not like Sheryl Crow because my dad was conservative and Sheryl Crow is like, you know, like, use one square of toilet paper to save the trees. You is know she? what I mean? But she, but he bought me that. I don't know why. And then uh, I got the Avril Lavigne CD with Complicated on it. Skater Boy. And Skater Boy. And then I got the Evanescence album oh, nice. with all of those, all those hits. Those bops. Those bops. Yeah. Bops. And did that, like, do you remember, because I don't think when I was listening to that album or, like, the other first albums I had as a child, I don't think I was thinking about being a musician at that point. Like, I don't think I was like, I need to do this, Hmm. at least as far as I can remember. You didn't want to be a musician yet? I don't think so. Not that I can recall. So, I mean, I've told you this, but... In like first grade when you make the about me poster or whatever and it's like what do you want to be when you grow up i would always be like i want to be a singer or a writer so what what did you want to be then i don't know because i i started playing drums in second grade okay and i don't remember before that if i had any um career aspirations <laughs> as a as a five-year-old wow not that i know you're a little behind weren't you okay just because you're exceptionally intelligent and always have been. Um, Did you know Sarah graduated from oh Stanford my God. At, as, at five years old? <laughs> she was five, she's been out of college for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. It's lonely <laughs> being the only five year old in your in your freshman class at yeah. Stanford. 
Uh, what were we talking about? Um, I don't remember having any. I don't oh. remember in first grade writing, writing right. something like that. Yeah, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a singer, but I don't think I ever thought too deeply about what that meant besides just standing on a stage and singing. singing. I never, th- uh, only now, recently, I've been thinking about like music as the business, as the industry. Yeah. So, because as yeah. we've mentioned, we're both listening to audiobooks about the music, the industry. music industry and marketing and all of that. Um, after we stop recording this, we're gonna talk to Eric's sister about marketing because mm-hmm. she works in like social media. She's a marketing professional, and all she wants to do is help us, yeah, help us grow our I don't want to say online brand. presence, yeah, online yeah. presence. Well, it's interesting because like. I think both of us, like the marketing aspect of it, the business aspect. Well, you you're a little bit of a business person. You like talking to people and making connections and wheeling and dealing. <laughs> I hate that stuff. I've always been like, I just want to make my art, which you know doesn't really work in today's world. But um, yeah. Well, luckily we we both have, like you know, I I, I keep I keep hyping us up, you know, like one on one about just like how great of a team we are and the skills we have alone and then combined, right? Yeah. And I think we really do have like as much as you don't like the business side of it, I mean, you you grew your own brand. Yeah. Like you grew Sarah's Vegan Kitchen from mm-hmm. nothing as everything <laughs> starts to what it is now. Yeah. So like even like you know it, which is which is great. Somewhat, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, so Going back to when we were small babies, small children. <laughs> so how did you pick the drums? You know, I was thinking about that. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, okay, I remember the first song I learned how to play on drums was When I Come Around by Green oh, Day. okay. Right? Um, which, um, if you want a little rendition. <clears throat> I learned that as a six-year-old. Did you take lessons? Uh-huh. It's the only, le- it's the only uh, instrument I so took lessons on. did someone come to your house? Yeah, Mark okay. Corso came to my house and taught me drums. Mark, I know that guy. Mar- you know Mark Corso? <laughs> Mark no. is a great guy, and he was my drum teacher for years. And then I switched to a different teacher because I think he may have like left the studio he was working at. Okay. And then I was like, "This sucks. I want Mark back." And then we found Mark again, and <laughs> I, we're still we're friends on Facebook. Oh, He's a good guy. Cool. Um, yeah, so I I took lessons and he taught me songs and whatnot. And I, I, my dad said, like, I was like, I want to be a drummer. I want to play the drums, which has to be every parent's nightmare because it's the <laughs> loudest fucking instrument you can choose. The only thing worse could be, mom, I want to play the bagpipes. <laughs> right? <laughs> to be fair, I'd much rather, my sister played trumpet growing oh, up yeah. and I'd rather listen to drums. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, you, you can listen to the trumpet, mm-hmm. but you you have to hear and feel the drums like mm-hmm. i played in the basement and like yeah. anywhere and we had like the house i grew up in was a large house and you could be anywhere in that house and you're like oh my god my whole my room is shaking mm-hmm. um we have a there's someone who lives in our neighborhood who plays the trumpet and practices and yeah. sometimes you just hear like <laughs> it's that was great was it yeah thank you should we add some vocal horns to our music i can i can stack i can stack vocal harmony horns nice um but yeah so my dad my dad told me he's like i'll get you a little rubber drum pad and a pair of sticks 
And I don't know if I started taking lessons on the pad, but he was like, we'll see if you like it. Because mm-hmm. obviously he doesn't want to drop hundreds of dollars on a big drum set mm-hmm. if I'm not going to like it. And then like the way he says it, he was so good after one month that I had to buy him a drum set. <laughs> I mean, I sucked, but maybe for a six-year-old, for a I, I picked it up pretty quickly. All right. So they were like, all right, we'll get him a, a, a drum set. Okay. And now what am I doing with that drum set? Selling it. I'm selling it to my friend, Sean. Sean. Because we're moving and I frankly don't need it. Yeah. I don't need my drums yeah. anymore. Well, you know, I'd love to get us an electric drum kit at some point in the yeah. future. They're kind of expensive, good ones, yeah. but, you know, for now, Eric's just been using the MIDI keyboard and different um, plugins yeah. for our percussion. I mean, I've just accepted that, like, like, whatever music we create or I produce or make for anyone, I'm not going to use real live drums, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not a, I'm like, I know I'm not going to be a drummer in a band anymore. That that phase well, of my life has ended. How long did you identify as a drummer? Oh, for so long. Right. Like nine years from ages like six to 15. And when did you start picking up other instruments? Probably when I was like 14, maybe. Guitar? Yeah. My parents had this old Guild brand guitar in the house and... I just, I don't remember how I taught myself. Did I use the internet? I guess I did. Yeah. I must have just used the internet. You forget how long the internet's been around. I'm like, there was no internet when I was 14. And I was like, wait, yeah, there was. Yeah. That was literally 2008. What's funny, because when you go back that far, like just a couple of years really did signal a lot of advancement. So I was like, when I was 14, I don't think there was, I had access, like super easy access to internet, but... When you were 14, I was 17, and mm-hmm. by then, definitely, yes. Yeah. Um, so what about you? When did you, start, when did you start playing? You know what? I had the option to take an instrument lesson like when I was in elementary school, and for some reason I didn't. I think it's because I had social anxiety, and I didn't want to be dealing with a teacher. But my sister did, and she started taking trumpet, and she took that her entire up, up through what college. But... I think my dad really always wanted me to learn an instrument. And so I think when I was like, I don't know, in fifth grade or something, I got for Christmas like a a, a kid's sized classical guitar. And (laughs) at my elementary school, we had a music teacher named Mr. Hallam, who I really didn't like. And he played guitar. So I just hated the instrument (laughs) of guitar. And I was like so mad at my dad for buying me this guitar. I was like, you're just trying to bully me into playing guitar. I hate Mr. Hallam. And so I just like did not touch it for years. Why did he want you to play guitar? I think it was just because it was like an easy like. And it's cool. You know, like, I don't know. It's not a huge uh, investment to buy like an expensive guitar, you know. Whereas like buying a trumpet, I'm sure would have been a lot more. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. So I had that and I didn't play it. And then I think I started to finally like learn how to play it in like middle school, seventh grade, maybe. Did you play an instrument like in the band? In the no. Orchestra? No. Okay. So Amelia played. She um, got music education. She had like weekly lessons. She was like powerful (laughs) she was like first chair and like drum major and stuff and i i've never taken any less oh i took lessons in 2018 for like three weeks oh yeah Yeah. uh yeah but i'm just learning three weeks three it was a couple weeks vocal lessons 
No, no, no. Piano lessons. Oh. I took vocal was, lessons for a couple months. I feel like it was more than a few weeks, wasn't it? Um, I think it was like two months. Yeah. It helped, right? Yeah, it helped. Lessons really... I think they they really do work, especially on children. If you have, yeah, if you have trouble with motivating yourself, like being um, motivated to practice, I think having that level of accountability is important. But it was also interesting for me because, um, at least in my school, in fourth grade, fourth grade is when you started with the band and the orchestra, mm. right? So like you could pick. That's when you just like picked your instrument. And I was like, "What are you gonna pick? What are you gonna pick?" And I was like, "Well, I already play drums." Because I had been playing for two years at that point. Again, wasn't good. But it is fascinating <laughs> how even just two years of like advanced practice mm-hmm. and learning, like all the other kids came into playing drums. Like, I think what they did is like you played in the band, but then you also took private lessons. Mm-hmm. And like all the other kids were starting from scratch. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah. And they were like, what? How do you know how to do that? And I'm like, I. It, I, I never even considered that I started earlier than everyone yeah, else. Right. And it really does your young brain really... Uh, does a young brain good? It does <laughs> young brain great. Okay, okay. Yeah, I want to yeah. talk more about other uh, other influences. Okay. So, okay, you're coming into guitar. You're a young, angsty teen. Strapping lad. So when are you starting to write? What, who's influencing you to start writing music, being in a band, etc.? Um, well, right, because you were in a jazz band. I was at, in, a, in school. I was in a jazz band as the drummer in at camp. But yeah, oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, I mean, obviously, like all the bands I liked, like Green Day, Blink One Eighty Two, Sum Forty One, The Offspring. Mm. But I remember, like a lot of the songs I learned were like just like random '90s hits. Right. Like one of the first videos I put on YouTube when I got a new microphone was um every morning by sugar ray Mm -hmm. which i covered again this year but so like i would just learn stuff like that because for the most part they were easy on guitar and then i just started writing like really angsty songs about liking girls and then not liking me back did you tell them did you say oh that i wrote this song about you (laughs) i don't think so maybe like a few times okay uh, it was more of a detriment than than a, than a positive <laughs> thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I've always wondered, like, what is it? Everyone loves music, right? And many people can play instruments. And I always wonder, like, what's the difference between the person who likes music and play an instrument is just, like, it's their hobby or whatever versus, like, oh, I need to make this stuff myself. Yeah, I don't know. Like... I've, hmm. My sister's, like, right? My sister's a trained musician, never has written anything, has had no inclination to. Yeah, and, like, my friend Potter has been coming over into the backyard every week, and I've been giving him guitar lessons. And he's, he just, like, has two old guitars, and he's like, oh, yeah, I just want to learn how to play, like, Fish songs and Grateful Dead songs. Mm -hmm. So can you teach me the chords? And I don't see Potter as someone who's going to be, like man, I think I'm going to go to the studio and write an album. I <laughs> yeah. just, I mean, he just wants to play for fun. Yeah. But I, I've always, as soon as I like started like trying to figure out guitar chords, I was like just writing, I just started writing songs immediately. Did you write why. like poetry before? No. You So you really just started writing words to fit into the music. 
Yeah, which is why my lyrics have always been subpar, in my opinion. I like them. <laughs> that's because they're about you. Sometimes. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's that's why I feel like our original music with your lyrics is so much better because you're like, <laughs> you're a writer first. First, yes, that's true. Tell us about that. Tell us about that. I don't know. I, I started writing. I, I, I've just always liked making things. Like before I could write, I was drawing things. And like I'm the person that if you were a family member getting me a gift, it would always be an art kit, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I just like making things. I don't know why. I don't know where it comes from. I think our brains are just wired like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, as far as I know, I'm the only I mean, I, I would describe my dad a creative person the way that he would like he'd be good at writing on a topic you know like writing that way as my sister's a really good writer too actually my sister used to do fan fiction and she had like a pretty large fan fiction following from what i understand that's awesome and then she retired because it was too stressful (laughs) to like keep up with i guess it was like kind of like the situation i'm in where it can just be uh heavy social demands because you have yeah. to talk to your audience and they want things from you and whatever anyway wow so that's like my sister's form of creativity but i don't know i've just always liked writing and so then when you started playing guitar you were like go oh, songs duh. yeah so that's i never next, i really step. never cared to learn about like proper music theory and such not until now but it was always for me like a like like the bread in a sandwich but really all you care about is what's inside of it but you need a method of delivery <laughs> that's what mu- what the music part has been for me because it's like people like poetry i suppose but people everyone likes music everyone does and so if you can make your poetry into something that's more widely palatable you know can we just hang on that analogy for a second because i think it's as my friend harry styles would say bloody perfect (laughs) has he said that no but he's english so all right he says that for the record i er, (laughs) we were deciding which songs we could cover and we were considering adore you by harry styles and so we pulled open the music video yesterday and neither of us had seen it before and it's a very uh kind of absurd but in a classy way tale about how harry finds this tiny golden fish that grows at an exponential rate and it becomes his best friend and become yeah <laughs> and then he has to release him into the ocean to yes be free and he, the fish is his best friend because harry is a loner because when he opens his mouth to smile his teeth are so bright that they blind other people and, and set things a- on fire yeah. So he's a loner. For, I don't know yeah. who came up with this concept, but I Eric loved it. I would assume Harry Styles did. <laughs> I absolutely adored it. Yes. If you will. Yes. Anyway, so the sandwich, the sandwich analogy. I want to go back to that because it's so fitting and perfect that you said, you said you had the filling of the sandwich and you needed the bread. Yeah. Right. Like the lyrics, the poetry was the meat and cheese, and mm. the music was the bread. And you know, like as I said a few minutes ago. I just started writing songs because it felt natural and I'd never written poetry or anything before. Mm-hmm. So I had, the, I had the exact opposite experience where I just always write lyrics because the melody needs to be words. So people listen to it. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So I lit- quite literally only had the bread. I only care about the bread. I'm like, good, <laughs> catchy music. Which is true in real life, too, because... I love carbs. The bitch loves carbs. Right. Am I the bitch? You, you're the bitch. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, well, you know, I need to put something in. No one just likes bread. They want a sandwich with stuff in it. So I added the lyrics. Except for some people like electronic music and... Well, that's because you know, they're on drugs. I don't understand those people, but, you know... <laughs> that's because they're A, on drugs, and B, don't know anything about music. Or they just really just like dancing. Yeah. Also, for the record, that was a joke. You don't need to be on drugs or not know anything about music to enjoy electronic music. It's just a joke. <laughs> but anyway, so I think that's why we're a good combo, because I'm the bread, baby, and you're the meat, and the cheese, I'm and the, the mustard. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and the shrooms. Yeah, I spend a disproportionate amount of time on the words. Although, you know, it's it's funny because the song, the batch of songs we're working on right now is the first batch of songs that I've really made happen since, like, high school, which is funny and sad. <laughs> but when you actually start to put stuff into, like, Pro Tools, like, make it... It's take logic it, now. Right. Take it out of your just like, oh, I'm playing a song on the piano that I wrote and make it into a real song. And then you're like, oh, now you add some extra constraints to make it marketable because people don't want to, you know, you try to make it kind of pop so that it has a chance at being successful um, without compromising what you're trying to get across too much. Yeah, And it's just. Just the couple of weeks we've spent doing that has changed my process a little bit, I think. It really um, cranks up the reality knob mm-hmm. when you start, oh, let me just put this piano part into Logic. Yes. And you're like, oh, now it's here mm-hmm. forever. And every time I open this file, it's here. Yes. You know, it just like really solidifies that, oh, we're making music now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So how many bands have you been in? <laughs> Um, how many bands? Uh, I was in a band called Direct Hit when I was in sixth grade mm-hmm. with uh, this guy Nick, whose last name. Sorry, I I don't remember your last name off the top of my head. Sorry, Nick. Sorry, Nick. Um, and then I was in uh, Romance Theory. Oh. With um my friends Ian and Amy, and then that turned into the Fatality because oh. we needed to we needed to amplify the emo factor okay yeah and then um let's see and then some time passed and i went to college and i was in uh chief beater well it was blaming the victim first which is you know it's funny because like the just blaming the victim to us just sounded like uh oh it's like a aggressive name and now as an adult and i know what blaming the victim is I'm like, wow, that was a really, really awful call, guys. Anyway, then we were Chief Beater, and then uh, and then I was in Exit Liberty, and now I'm with you in Cute Threat. All right. So Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious because I've just been thinking so much about how people get famous, you know, or how, how people become musicians. And I'm like, uh, well, a lot of them are very young when they get their break. It's like Green Day, pretty fucking young, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's... You and I finally being, I've never been in a band. I've like played music with friends or like done like one-off performances with a band, but I've never been in one. So I've never, I just feel like it gets romanticized and you think like, you're just like, um, 
practicing in your garage and like someone walks by and they're like, oh, I see something in you kids. I'm signing you. But it's like really, it takes a lot of effort to be a good band, a good cohesive band. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, were you in these bands always thinking like, oh, I'm going to get discovered? Or was it just kind of like a hobby? Or were there any bands that you quit or walked away from and you were like, oh, I'm like, I'm I'm missing out on something now? Well, it's funny because literally in the last few weeks, it like, the last few weeks and learning what we've learned, listening to books and talking and researching, mm-hmm. it's like totally changed my perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Like when you, when you ask what was like, was I looking to be discovered? Like, I don't even know. Right. Like, I don't even know what I was trying to do. Even like when I moved out to Colorado and I was like, I'll just get a day job that I don't care about yeah. and I'll work in a warehouse, whatever. And then I'll come home and I'll have band practice and I'll go to shows. And mm-hmm. I did that. We had rehearsals every single week. We played shows in Denver. But now I'm like looking back on, it, I'm like, what was I trying to do? Mm-hmm. Like, we never like really did the social media thing, which is mm-hmm. really important. And I'm like, I don't think, I think I knew I, you don't just get discovered anymore. Right? Like, I mean, you might, but. I mean, if you get discovered, it's by Ellen DeGeneres on YouTube. Yeah. Not like, you know, the. At a gig. The bald guy in the gig, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or at the gig. So, like, we were half assing, like, both aspects of trying to make it, as far as I can remember. Mm. So now looking back on it, I'm like, what was. I was just wasting time. I guess it was a learning. It was. Everything's a learning experience. Mm. So now I'm like, now we know what we have to do. Yeah. To get discovered online. Right. Which is the way to do it. So, yeah, I mean, it was always like my passion, but I didn't really have a solid goal. Yeah. And what about you? Did you always just write music for yourself? <sighs> I think I think it. I wanted other people to hear it. I've always wanted. It's interesting because I've always wanted people to. I'm an introvert. I'm really not someone who's like cut out to be popular or famous because I don't really like attention on me personally, but I've always wanted to bring attention to the things I make separate from me. So I think I always like had that distant dream of like, Oh, I want to be a published author. I want to have an album out there, but I never gave it that much thought. I was just always kind of like doing my, I don't know. It's easy to get sucked into work and that's just your reality. And you're like, oh, maybe one day I'll do these things. But you really have to, if you want those things to happen, you really have to make a a game plan is what we're realizing. And so much, like if you want to fast track your career, you really have to do all of the, all. you have to do your job, your day job and an entirely separate job at the same time. Yeah. Like it's not that like sex, drugs, rock and roll thing right away. It's more like, I'm going to post an Instagram post every single day and Mm -hmm. all of these stories and like start a mailing list and make a website and like maybe take voice lessons or music lessons. It's just like there's so many things now that I feel like I could have been, you know, capitalizing on sooner. But Our lives kind of are sex, drugs and rock and roll right now. Yeah. Because, you know, we (laughs) the rock and roll is the music we're making, even though it's not really rock and roll, rock and roll. Uh, the shrooms, as for the aforementioned shrooms, and, and um, energy drinks, and we you know, energy we, drinks, <laughs> and our romantic relationship. You know, so it is sex, drugs, and rock and roll for us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> technically. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, I mean, I th- I think, I think we just have, or I personally have like gained clarity on, like I I've never had like a message to to send through my music, yeah. and like you just said, you're the opposite. Like you always you want people to know mm-hmm. about what you're writing about. Yeah. Whereas like I just said, I always just wrote lyrics because you have to write lyrics in a song. So I was like, okay, I'll make them about you know this girl in my high school i'm pining over right mm-hmm. and it was just all whatever but like that's i think that's why i'm so excited about our songs mm. is because i've always only cared about the music so i get to like produce and put all these parts together based on what you wrote yeah and you get to deliver your message with your much better singing voice <laughs> Uh, and you also, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but Sarah also has like that songwriting knack. You know, most people write songs and they're like not catchy. They're just like, oh, that's a song. But like Sarah has the, um, oh, I want to listen to that again kind of thing. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. And I think we both have that. And I, you know, that's a good team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the song you've written that you're most proud of? something that you're like okay well maybe everything else is just like part of my learning curve but this is something that i would love for people to have exposure to like when you're rich and famous (laughs) doing our thing and people are like doing a that thing that you do with celebrities where you like go on their wikipedia and you stalk them and stuff (laughs) like what do you want people to discover about you and your path i mean probably we'll never have to say goodbye I just think it's a really good song. Mm. Um, you guys can listen to that on Spotify if yeah. you search Eric Ames. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's like, I think the chorus is really musically interesting mm-hmm. and the verses are very like musically standard. It's just like a blues progression that's been around for hundreds of years, maybe not hundreds, but and I think like, I don't know. I just think it's really cool musically, but usually when things are really cool musically, they're not like mainstream people don't give a shit about cool musically they care about what sounds good which is fine but i think that's what i'm most proud of what about you i don't know one of the new ones i like everything that i write because if i don't like it i scrap it before it becomes a song usually yeah um we'll see after everything's written out i go through phases of obsession so like i'll just only be interested in working on one particular thought at a time Um, and I'll table everything else and then I'll come back around to I'm bad at at working in a linear way Hmm. I never sit down and finish something start to finish which is which is what I do Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. the way I work (laughs) yes so it's cause for some interesting interactions yeah um I was going to say something and I completely forgot. (laughs) I'm sure it'll come back to you. Yeah. Well, I've been trying to think about different, like obviously all your songs don't need to be about the same thing, but I think people do like to connect with a particular like facet of your reality, your brain, right? Like it's like certain bands are just known for particular, for top, for covering particular topics, right? It's like, are you like a happy, upbeat sort of music act? Are you like dark and grungy? And I feel like, I don't know. Or are you Grimes and you're both? 
Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I've been thinking more about that and what yeah. narrative we're trying to craft because I'm like a sad person, but I don't necessarily want to overwhelm people with the sadness, but also it's like my outlet for it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we have like, we've only released covers and covers don't say much about you as a, as an artist. They do like stylistically, yeah. but right. I didn't write any of those songs. Yeah. And like our album art is just like something we threw together just to have album art. Yeah. And like, we just need something that says heart shaped box and cute threat on it. So it's like, we're, we still have time to figure out like, what is our aesthetic? Mm -hmm. What are our album covers going to look like? What are our logos going to look like? What are our music videos going to look like? How are we going to dress? <laughs> Which is like a whole nother thing. Right. Sarah's always wanted to, well, you can, you can tell them. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the way that I dress is also like, it, it just goes very hand in hand with making things with being an artist like I like creating art that has a specific specific aesthetic and also the way you dress is art too. And it, I don't know, it's been something I've been thinking more about. It's just like overall image and like what kind of photos do we want to take for our social media and what vibe do we want our album art to have in our music videos when we have the budget for them later on. Um, but it's it's like really cool to finally be like, I mean, for the longest time, I just have been living in, like, gym apparel, right? Like, athletic <laughs> apparel, like, leggings. And recently, since we started making music, and I'm like, oh, I need, like... Jeans? Yeah, I need, like, real clothes. Because, I mean, they always say, like, even if you work at home, it's nice to put on real clothes. Because it puts you in a different frame of mind. I think that's especially true for women. Um, not all women, but for me... I feel like a part of being a female for me is like my presentation. Um, so when you just say like, uh, I'm going to start identifying as an artist now and what is, it's like um, we had a, another episode, I think earlier in this series mm -hmm. where we talked about working backwards, right? If you're like, what if I just, I started to identify as an artist and not as someone who's going to be an artist one day. Yeah. So I'm an artist, and, and what does that mean, like, working backwards? What are the things that an artist does every single day? And it's like, well, Taylor Swift has a particular image to uphold, mm -hmm. or, you know. Yeah. And she probably writes every day or, like, practices every day. And you don't just, like, happen upon being an artist. You really have to, like... Which is what I... I think it's what people do before they're, like all right, my day-to-day -day life is just not going to work out for me long-term. I just can't do this nine-to-five thing forever. I'm going crazy. I have to figure, I have to crack this. Yeah. And I think that's where I am. <laughs> yeah. And luckily, we can keep ourselves afloat by doing stuff that's um, fun, like mm -hmm. eating vegan fast food and making videos about it. <laughs> like it, it uh, could be and has been much worse, worse for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, before we wrap up, I want to bring it into the present mm -hmm. current musical influences or people you've been like studying or giving a Harry lot of Styles. thought to <laughs> as of one day for yeah. one day. <laughs> I do love Harry. Harry. I mean, Harry Styles is a good example of like someone who has this very specific image. Obviously he started in like one direction, like a little boy band. 
and is like, oh, you're the teenage heartthrob. And now he's like very, I don't know, I love his his aesthetic. It's very like kind of androgynous and like a little retro. And yeah, he's like retro androgynous. Mm -hmm. Is he gay? Is he straight? Is he bisexual? He's bi. I don't know. Like no one knows. It's that mystique is very part of his. uh, Yeah. Like it's so, part of his, yeah, his platform. Yeah, sometimes he wears, like, grandma clothes. Yeah. Sometimes he wears, like, a regular retro suit, but, like, his <laughs> nails are painted. Yeah. And you're like, who is this guy? I love it. And he's just being, he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. Yeah. Which, that's what artists do. Yeah. He's also a really good singer. I feel like I some you're gonna people... you going to say really good looking. <laughs> I feel like some people just... They're just really strong vocalists, and you can tell that they really have taken time to polish their art. I don't know, like him. I really, I respect Ariana Grande a lot. Like, who can sing as well as her? She's even the best if you singer don't, in music. Yeah, like even if you don't love her particular genre or even her voice, it's like you can't deny that she's put hours and hours into refining that that skill. Yeah, I mean, her and Camila Cabello, but both of their voices like annoy me for different reasons. <laughs> but they're both undoubtedly really, really great singers. I, I I know you feel strongly that Camila Cabello is not an amazing singer. I mean, she's fine. Yeah, I I don't care. I I do like her though. Mm. I followed her Instagram yesterday to kind of study like how people are coming across in social social media. But top I top three influences what? right now. Oh, um, I really you guys. I, I love Halsey so mm-hmm. much. Not only as like an artist, but also because she's like she talks about mental illness. She has bipolar. Love her so much. Also. She has, like, the whole androgynous thing going on. She has, like, just so many different looks, which I just... I really appreciate those things. I love fashion. Um, it's weird because I, I've just been... I've been trying to, like, study electronic music, like, pop music. Um, so I've just been at the gym or on a walk. I've been putting on, like, top, top pop hits or, like, pop rising and like really trying to force myself to listen to music I'm not familiar with just to like get new influence. So I'm trying to think who else I've been like. Grimes? It's funny because I love Grimes so much. I've watched a lot of her like interviews and stuff, but I haven't listened to that much of her music. But I do love the music of hers that I like have on my playlists. I yeah. really do. I love how like different she sounds mm-hmm. in each of her like generations of, of music. And she makes all of her own music. She's not like signed to a major, major label. And I think that's really cool that she does everything from scratch. We've been listening to a lot of uh, like making of specific song videos on YouTube. Those are fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, well, (laughs) I'm so like, I just really go through hardcore phases. Yes, you do. As you know. So like (laughs) literally the only thing I've been listening to music wise. Hamilton? Is the Hamilton soundtrack. So, like, but that doesn't have an influence on, like, what I... I've been listening to, like, the Hamilton soundtrack, but I've also just been listening to pop music. Like, I've been listening to, like, the four Dua Lipa songs I know because I think <laughs> yeah. her production is so cool. Yeah. So, it's interesting. I'm not I'm not listening to music to, like, study songwriting as much right now because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in a pretty comfortable and knowledgeable spot in songwriting. Mm-hmm. So, if Sarah comes to me, she's like, oh, how can we make this part different? Yeah. I can like help write it, whatever. But like I'm like, oh, now I need to like really be the producer, producer guy yeah. because I'm making all the music on the computer. Hmm. So I'm just listening to like random 
I like I'll listen to Taylor Swift or Dua Lipa or Camila Cabello and be like, what do I like? What do I dislike? Mm-hmm. And how are they doing it? What's um, the last full album you listened to? Because, you like know, people are releasing like uh, singles mostly now. Yeah. Something from John Mayer, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You want to wrap up? Sure. Okay. We can we can take little uh, little nublets of this conversation that we want to expound on mm-hmm. and make them different episodes in the future if we want. Mm-hmm. If there's anything we wanted to touch on further. Mm-hmm. Do you feel anything from the shrooms yet? <laughs> yeah, I feel um, relaxed. <laughs> I feel more focused yeah. on what what I'm saying, but more specifically what you're saying when we talk. Okay. Um, the room feels slower. <laughs> like the room feels um, somewhat technicolor and won't stop moving. Yeah, yeah. I've also been <laughs> barfing this whole time, just off mic when Sarah's talking. No, it just, I feel a little, um, I feel like when you get like really mildly high, but without being really anxious. Okay. It's like it doesn't feel weird or scary delightful just feels just feels fine i swear to god it's made a difference in me i really have to pee oh okay okay, okay. and i'm really hungry okay well you can you can <laughs> as of saturday august i don't know what date it is uh today's wednesday the 19th so uh 20th 24th the 22nd as of saturday august 22nd you can watch our music video for our cover of nirvana's heart-shaped box on cute threats youtube channel we have a couple of other cover music videos up there too uh, we'll have new music probably up next month. A new single, an original single. Next right? month, right? I mean, I thought that was our goal. It is our goal, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to pressure you into into finalizing anything. It's true. You can follow us on Spotify, Cute Threat. You can follow us on Instagram at Cute Threat. We don't really post anything on our actual on our joint Instagram. We're gonna start, but you can also follow us separately at the Sarah Sullivan and at the Eric Ames. Uh, I'm trying to think of it, if there's any other, like, I don't know, like, logistical things. I don't think so. If Thanks. you somehow followed us without knowing us through Sarah's Vegan Kitchen, I have a vegan YouTube channel, and we quite often do videos together on there. Just, we've been doing, like, a lot of fun videos, like, eating Junk fast food, food <laughs> on yeah. camera. Uh, so you can follow us there, too. And, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, you'll hear from us next week. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. I gotta pee.